morning, beautiful people. Happy Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving. If it's around nine o'clock, you know you got me, Babs Rolls Ivy. This is Love Babs Love Talk. Happy anniversary to me. I'm celebrating 40 years in the Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. 40 years. It was this day 40 years ago I crossed the burning sands into a sisterhood that has changed my life in every imaginable and unimaginable way. So happy Deltaversary to me. I never really talk about my sorority life so much. Um, I mean, people know that I'm a Delta. People know, I mean, I don't know if people really knew how long I've been a Delta. Uh, I am a member of the New Haven Alumni Chapter, but I was made in the Epsilon Omega Chapter down in North Carolina, uh, Barber Scotia College, Concord, North Carolina, to be exact. So, um, and so this day makes me think about a lot of things. Uh, a lot of things. <sighs> to be in an organization for 40 years, I, that's longer than some relationships and marriages and commitments and jobs. Like this is the longest standing relationship of my life. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it absolutely is. <laughs> and so, uh, and I just thought about that this moment. So anyway, Happy Wednesday, good people. Tomorrow is, the, is Thanksgiving, and I'm, I am I love Thanksgiving, but Christmas is my thing. And I was out and about yesterday um, because I, I had some annoying news yesterday that I have to contend with that is uh, just one more damn thing in the cog of things that just can throw you off if you allow it. And I, I'm of the mindset that I don't allow those kinds of things to throw me off anymore. I just press on. I inventory the situation. I'm like, okay, what can I do about it? And if there's a thing to be done, I'll do it. If not, then I will just let it be. <laughs> so anyway, um, uh, I was out and about yesterday and I, 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 you know, when my children were young and they, we were all gathered, we'd do this thing where we would hunt for Black Santas. Uh, we would hunt for Black Santas. And so uh, I was out yesterday by myself and I, I saw all the Black Santas and I couldn't resist buying one because that was just a tradition. And uh, and I just didn't want the, the, I didn't want it to pass. So I was by myself and uh, picked up a Black Santa. And this is a Black Santa that's, uh, that's uh, got seashells. Seashells are not my thing, but I figure since I live close to Connecticut, I should have one with seashells. Um, and I, I'm toying with the idea of getting a tree on Friday. We'll see. If not Friday, then maybe Saturday. We shall see. So um, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm thinking about. So in this season of things, so what are y'all thankful for? You know, there's traditions all over this place. You know, all over the country and at dinner tables all around that people sort of talk about what they're thankful for. And periodically we've done that at our table, you know, just go around the table and ask people what they're thankful for uh, this year. Uh, it's a lovely thing to do. So I encourage you to do that. You know, it sets a nice tone for the, for the, for the day and paying homage. And, and let's not forget that this day is not about damn pilgrims. <laughs> This day is about indigenous people and the way that they shared with us and the way that they were slaughtered and the way that they were, you know, almost annihilated. I guess, I guess we would call it genocide. Um, but anyway, 
so let's just give thanks for this earth that we're not good stewards of. Uh, let's uh, give thanks for our neighbors who we don't know and don't care about. Um, let's give <laughs> let's give thanks to the to the clean water that we have that others do not. <laughs> See where I'm going with this? Like, let us give thanks even in the face of 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 being so opposite of what we're giving thanks for. Because if you truly want to give thanks, then you would want for yourself, you would want for your neighbors as you would want for yourself. And until we could get to that place, we've got a lot of work to do, good people. We've got a lot of work to do. So uh, so it's been a lot of things that's been running across my mind lately. You know, and just, just the interpersonal relationships that people are having with one another. Um, I just find that I, I'm quite troubled by the way that women uh, and leadership in this community, particularly in the arts community, carry on with one another. And, and I find it quite troublesome. And I'm trying to find a way to address it and deal with it without cussing people out. Because I just feel like people doing the same old, same old, they're doing the most, you know. And there's so many assassins amongst us that it's hard to sort of create space for real growth and opportunity and well-wishing and support. You know, when you've got when you've got every other person is an assassin at the table, then nobody gets fed. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like nobody gets fed. If everybody's an assassin, we all gonna be dead. So I'm just I, I'm I'm just thinking about this in in some kind of way and how to figure out a way to put it out there in the universe because I'm just feeling away. And uh and I'm a part of this arts community and I'm watching things play out in ways that find me, that I find so distasteful and so against how I operate and move in the world. So I just, mm. so I figure if I say it this way, people hear it, they'll, everybody will go, hmm, I wonder what she's talking about. Yeah, that's what I want people to do. And I want people to look around and see what's happening. And just pay attention and look where the tension spots are and look where people are falling down and look where people are being assassins. Just look. And then if you could stop it, stop it. <sighs> I dream a world. I dream a world where there is some peace for everyone. I dream a world where there is cooperation. I dream a world where there is commitment to each other. I dream a world where there is love overflowing. I dream, I dream, I dream a world where we all are fed. We are all full. We are all basking in the light of abundance. I dream a world where before somebody uses words to cut, that they use those words to heal. I dream a world, y'all. I dream a world. And, and if I can dream it, so can it be. So shall it be. So it must be. So it must be. So what does that mean? What, how, do we have, how do we get there? How much facilitation do we need to get to higher ground? Ugh, a world. I dream. Well. That's all right. 
the world is full of dreamers, which is a good thing. Now we need, we need, we we need action with the dream, and and that's not to say that dreams don't have action because most people have dreams and they put action to them. So, I will say this though, I was out to dinner at the Cannon last night with Ife, and she just cracked me up. I'm not going to tell you what she cracked me up about, but she cracked me up so bad I had to, I had to bend over because I was going to fall because it was. So- because it was just so funny and and it just has everything to do with the age group that we're in that's all like uh, we we have got to write this and and i'm gonna challenge if i'm gonna challenge the epic women that i know to just start crafting a script because we have got to do something because this the things that we get into and the things that we experience and the things that we know are just hilarious If you hung out with us, you would see it. I'm still laughing. <laughs> it's my favorite thing to do. Burns calories, tones your tummy, laughter. So I don't know. I'm in, I'm in this, I'm in some kind of betwixt between mood. Do you know what that is to be betwixt and between? And I think it's really because uh, it's a lot of things. It's it's darker than I remember it being for daylight savings time. <laughs> and I don't know if it's because I'm older and I, I notice it, I can't stand it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a, uh, I, my, my dating life is on hold and, and not because there's no one to date, it's because the people that are out there to date, I don't like, <laughs> I like, I like myself. <laughs> and every time, every time somebody asks me out, I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> And I and I I'm happy about that. I don't I don't I don't really want to date. That's that's the truth. I like my soloness. I, I tell people all the time, you know, there's no point in my life that I didn't have some damn boyfriend. And then for a period of time I had a husband. And then after a husband, I had a lover. And that was awful. <laughs> it was, you know. It, it was gaslighting to the nth degree. I, and I, at that time, I didn't know what gaslighting was. And I was so resistant to it that I didn't realize it was happening. And when I, re- I mean, I couldn't be gaslighted. The attempt to gaslight me, that's what it was. And it, it just, and once I figured out what was happening, I, you know, I ended it. But I don't know how anybody could live under that level of duress. And I'm not suggesting that everybody I meet will be a gaslight. I'm not suggesting that. I'm just, what I'm saying is I've had enough. I've had every iteration of men that exist. I'm done <laughs> for now, for now. Who knows what'll show up when I'm 60 next year? Who knows? But for this moment, I'm gonna take a pause. Cause I just, as my good friend Ife says, I like the company of myself. <laughs> I really do. And I actually, I, you know, I have gentleman friends who I can go out with if I need a, a beautiful eye candy on my arm. And I've got good male friends who I have deep and abiding relationships and friendships with that satisfy the need for male company and, and companionship. That's, I, I don't know what else I would want at this point in my life. I mean, I've had enough sex. Let me tell you something. I've had enough sex in my life that if I lined up all the men, I wouldn't be able to pick them out of a lineup. I, that's just what it is. So I don't, I don't, I don't, there, there's no, I, I don't need that. 
I mean, it's nice, but it's not the end all and be all of anything. And believe me, believe me, believe me, you have had some amazing escapades. But I, I don't want to do that either. <laughs> I've swung from so many chandeliers. Lord have mercy. When I get to the pearly gates, I'm going to have to spend a whole lot of time recounting those things. <laughs> I'm going to hold up the line talking about all the escapades. <laughs> I'm just saying. So I'm, I'm, I like where I am with the possibilities of things in front of me. I, I like this position. I've never been this peaceful in my life. And I like it. I've never been this peaceful. And, and it is such a joy. I mean, do I have challenges? Hell yes. I've got some challenges that are on my nerves. But they're not challenges that, that can't be resolved or fixed. There's, 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 you know, there's, there's, there's a, there's means to that end and all of that. It's just going to take a little time, but, but, you know, it's not, it's not a, I mean, it's just, it's just a hiccup in the road, uh, but I'm very peaceful. So there's a couple of things that I want to spend some time doing and uh, I'm going to do them. So, and there's some things that I want to do before I'm 60, you know, in preparation for 60. So anyway, I know Paul Bass is out there hunting somebody for word on the street. We can have word on the street in a little bit. And uh, yesterday was really charming with uh, Candy and Jose with the Thanksgiving. And if you want to read all about it, just go over to the New Haven Independent because Paul has been writing these lovely little slices of New Haven. And we would never get these snapshots if we didn't have word on the street. Honest to God. So I, I, I like word on the street because it gives me my it gives me a look at my city through a different lens through the lens of the people that walk the streets, you know, the people that are coming and going. And uh, and it just makes me happy. So I hope you all like Word on the Street as much as I do, uh, because I don't know where else we would get everyday ordinary people telling us what the word on the street is. And, uh, and the word on the street simply means what you got going on right now? What's, what's in your life? And so I like that. I like that very much. So uh, I've got uh, Rachel... Uh, quarter uh, nail buff coming on with uh, Sophia Moore. And they got to talk about the the red book, our, my own red, the red book that they got out there. Uh, I was looking at it at uh, Possible Futures yesterday and I'm delighted to talk to them. It's about, they just ask people, they gather some stories about women and their periods from all sort of, all kinds of women and girls. And she just combined them and it's a book, so. Uh, so I'm excited to sort of talk to them about this book and the and the impact of the book, right? Because we should we should talk about these things. I don't I don't, I don't know why this is feeling like the damn red tent. <laughs> Women have periods. Uh, if you're a woman of a certain age, between a, a certain age, you're going to have a period. So, or people with periods. I guess we're saying people people with wounds and reproductive systems. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, yeah. <sighs> so it's Thanksgiving, and uh, I, I don't, I don't plan to cook. I was thinking I might pop into the grocery store, pick up some things, uh, but I'm going to people's houses and. <laughs> There's a, there's a lot to eat at places. So, and I may even bring my own little um, containers. 
so I can bring food home from places, I guess, right? Because what are you going to do? So I might bring containers if I need them um, so I can have something to eat. Uh, but, but other than that, though, I don't, I don't foresee the need to uh, do any real cooking. Because uh, I'm not going to make a big meal or whatever. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I think uh, I think my daughter Brianna's going over to Uncle Robert's. I don't know what the other ones are doing. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm going to go over to Sophie's house and I'm going to run over to Ife's for the evening. Um, hang out there to end my night. So that's my holiday for me. Uh, you know, it's amazing how I used to, when my kids were eat little, little, I love Thanksgiving, you know, cooking a turkey, getting all the things, doing, but now I'm like, mm, not so much. <laughs> not so much. I'm done with that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, I don't need it. Uh, and I think that's I think that's a a nice way to be because I don't I don't want to feel I don't want to feel pressed and I don't want to feel uh, uh, stressed out and I I don't think I ever was stressed out although it would be revisionist to sort of not to to say this but I don't I don't remember I I like to believe that I was joyous in the moments leading up to today you know up until now I probably was I probably wasn't. I mean, I think there were some moments when it was kind of lean and a little difficult and challenging, particularly the early days of the, the early years of the divorce. You know, I thought you know, that was a bit challenging, but, but you know, uh, you know, we managed. Uh, I think that first year of being divorced, I, I didn't want to make a, a Thanksgiving that was, you know, trying to recreate a, a thing. And I didn't. I think it was very, a very different kind of Thanksgiving. Uh, that first year and they were little anyway so um you know I just did some different kinds of things uh and then that just sort of stayed with us to do different kinds of things for Thanksgiving around food and how we presented it and who was at the table with us and that kind of stuff so you know um yeah so but anyway it is the uh, Thanksgiving Eve, and I'm sure people are, I mean, I think I have to go and grab a couple of bottles of wine to take over to uh, to Ife's and maybe to take over to Sophie's. We'll see. Grab a couple of bottles of wine. See how that goes. And uh, I think that'll be my contribution. <laughs> I pick a good-ass wine, let me tell you. I'm good at that. <laughs> I can I can pick a good wine. I can pick a good wine. Um, so that is the uh, the end of it. Uh, what a world! What a day! I don't even know what's going on news wise. Because when I got in last night, I didn't watch any news. Like I normally, if I don't catch the early news, I'll catch the late news. But I didn't catch any news last night, so I have no idea what's going on. Is Elon is Elon Musk done um, destroying Twitter? <laughs> So he can sell it and get it out of his hair. Or or he's going to do one of two things. You know, continue to run it into the ground and, and sell it. Or, you know, uh, let it become the wild, wild west that it is becoming. You know, the place of uh, 
deplorables, a deplorable hub and uh, and mount, mount a campaign around his views and his stupidity and, you know, white man mediocrity, man. It's just, it's so pervasive. <laughs> it's so, so pervasive, you know, just, just, just dull and uninteresting and just always out for the wrong thing. Gosh. But anyway, uh, that is neither here nor there uh, in these moments. So uh, I, I haven't been on Twitter. The only thing I posted to Twitter this morning was my Deltaversary, you know, stuff. That's it. And uh, 40 years, longest commitment of my life. <laughs> Ooh, longest commitment of my life. I'm having like skin issues, like my face is, something has been irritating. I think it's going away, but something was irritating me. I think I used something that really was irritating me. And it just, just made all this like little eczema kinds of skin things on my face. I never had a face problem, skin problem, you know. But lately, it's been uh, something has been irritating me. And I've been trying to uh, deal with it. So, oh, here's Paul Bass. We're on the street. What we got today? I can't wait. You know, it's cold outside. Happy Thanksgiving. You have to unmute yourself. Oh, mute myself still? Nope, no, I'm good. unmuted. I can hear you now. You wasn't before. Okay, good I'm morning. Here with Bruce. Good morning, Babs. I'm here with Bruce, who collects the carts at Stop the Shop. And I asked him what he's up to. He wants to talk about insurance, but also he's working on Thanksgiving Day itself. Oh. So Bruce, what's the word today? Right. What's on your mind today as you're fixing insurance, the carts? Insurance. Insurance. Because... Insurance, because the thing is, somebody hit me in West Haven. They towed my car, and I had to go through my insurance company to get a three-day rental for $300 a day. $300 a day? Yes, they $300, I got the car for three days. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that I have insurance, they have insurance, I have two jobs, and I can't get my car. Why not? Because their their insurance company is not acknowledging the fact that he hit me, and my insurance company wants to go patch job on my car. Uh huh. You know, so, so I'm I'm like I'm still without a car. So how are you getting to work from West Haven to stuff? Well, I got a car for, for three days. I got to fall in the rent and see how long I get it extended to. Mm -hmm. You know, but the point is, I'm in a situation where I'm trying to stay out of trouble. But yet, I got to figure out ways to get back and forth to work through the insurance company. And you got two jobs. Yes. So car is important. Yes. What kind of car do you have? I have a 2018 Nissan Altima. And what happened when the guy hit you? What, where were you going? I was going to the VA. Are you a vet? Yes. Where Where did you serve? I was in the Army. I know I stayed stateside. Uh-huh. So now you got two jobs, Bruce. Mm. You collect the cars to stop the shop. Mm. How many hours a week is that? Oh, 35 to 40 hours. You worked 40 hours bringing the carts in. Why not? I noticed how friendly you were. You came up to me and asked if I wanted a cart. You like, yes, you like, you know, we were talking about being polite. I had to learn how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Are people nice to you with the carts? Mm, it depends on how they feel that day. I got to adjust to their attitudes. All right. And then what's your other job? I'm a housekeeper at the VA. At the VA. So that's why you're going, you've gone to the VA mm -hmm. to do the second job? No, I had an appointment. Okay. 
So now you're working two jobs, you're trying to make it, and you're saying that you need a car to get to those jobs. Yes, and insurance, you got to pay. In the state of Connecticut, you got to pay insurance. But when it comes to the point where if you're $20 short on your insurance, they're going to hound you for that $20. Mm-hmm. So now I need them because I'm paying my insurance on a regular, and they're not there for me. Now you're worried. How many, what day, you have a car for three days. What kind of loan so today, is it? Today, it's a... It's a oh, it's okay. So they got your Malibu. car Malibu. How many? When? How? When are the three days up? Like when did you get? I got a call again today. And so you you got your two jobs, right? Yeah. Now you say you're working on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Which one? Both jobs or one? Both of them. You, so on Thanksgiving you're working double shift. Yeah. You're doing cards and stop and shop, yeah. which I didn't know was open, and you're also doing the VA. Yeah. How do you feel about working on Thanksgiving? Your family you gonna be able to have a meal well, or two? Well, or? my family's separated and you know they're scattered throughout the United States and um. You know, they're there to support me. And like for me to stay out of trouble, I would rather work because I'm doing something positive. Trying uh-huh. to get my car back that I paid. Well, I hope you more. get that car back. Yeah. Now you don't have to pay the three hundred, right? Your insurance company pays. No, I had to pay it on my uh, on, on my credit card and they'll turn around and reimburse me, which don't so make you're out, sense. Not, you're, you're out nine hundred dollars. No, three hundred. Well, each so, day so, you said. Yes, yes. Like they charge me three hundred dollars. Each day or all together? They charge me three hundred dollars. I'm trying to figure out if it's all together because I don't know much about insurance, you know. But I'm saying me if either. I pay insurance, they're supposed to help me when I need help, and obviously they're not doing it because they're going to a secondhand insurance company to do patchwork on my car. You know what I'm saying? So how many years you've been doing this job? Oh, I just started it not too long ago. What'd you do before? Work at the VA. For how long? Since two thousand. 18. And how many hours a week is that, please? Well, it's going up to 40 hours come next week, but it was like on the weekends and stuff like that. So you're going to work 75 or 80 hours a week with your two jobs? I'm a young man at the age of 66. I'm enjoying 66. life. I'm enjoying life. 66, man? I'm enjoying Did you have life. a career in some other jobs? Well, you know, back in the day, I did a little bit of everything, but I, was, I wasn't I was, I was in a part of society. Oh, I see what you're saying. Because you talk about staying out of trouble. Some mm-hmm. kind of stint or something. No, I, I just want to see how it is on the other side. What, 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 what Good morning. So you know all the people here? No. <laughs> no, favorite, I, no, you know, somebody told me it's best to be nice to people. And I'm still trying to figure out why. But. still trying to figure out. Tell me about years when you were in Parsonside. What was going on? Oh, in and out of jail, you know. How long you been out of jail? Oh, going on 20 Oh, okay. yeah, no. Now right. I got to figure out how to get a pardon. There's a lot of things I don't know how to do. Uh-huh. You know, I'm trying to figure out how to get a pardon. And it's like they're always pushing the bug. So hurry up and wait, get in touch with these people. And it's like, okay, a lot of people don't know everything. And I'm one of those people that don't know everything. Me too. So tell me if I got it right. I kind of feel like Bruce is working hard at two jobs. You're 66 years old, trying to stay out of trouble, trying to do your two jobs. And that it's sometimes hard to get through the bureaucracies. Right. So your car gets hit, you need a car to go to work. How do you deal with the insurance company and their insurance company? And who you go to? I don't know who to you go want, to. You want a pardon? Yes, I do. So if you could have a Thanksgiving wish, what would it be? A pardon and a car? <laughs> to live another day. <laughs> to live another day. <laughs> you know, people are dying at a fast rate nowadays. You know what I'm saying? Over stupid stuff. And you say you don't mind working Thanksgiving. Oh, I don't mind. I don't mind. And Babs, do you have any uh, questions for Bruce? Where where are you where are you where are you gonna get uh, some Thanksgiving dinner? Yeah, where are you gonna get Thanksgiving dinner? Um, I work at Stop and Shop. Get a pack of hot dogs, bread, soda. I'm good. 
<laughs> I'm just thankful to live another day. It's not all about the food, you know, it's about living, you know, being able to live another day for me because of all the stuff that I've seen over the years. Are we good, Babs? You got more yes. you want to ask? No, that's good. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving Thank you. from Babs. Babs, thanks. And this is Bruce and I are going to say, sign out now on the Love Babs, Love Talk segment of Word on the Street, WNHH New Haven's home for community radio. All right. Take good care. Although I, I think yesterday's was the one I'm going to end on. <laughs> Not to say that every story has to be a happiness story. I get it. I get it. But the thought of that man having hot dogs on Thanksgiving is just challenging to me. So, uh, you know, you just want to, you just want more for people, but you know, he seems to be happy. It's like one more day. He's seen a lot of things and, uh, you know, who among us. So there you have it. Um, there you have it. There you have it. And, uh, you know, he's going to be working on Thanksgiving. I didn't even know places were open on Thanksgiving. I guess. I mean, I guess, you know, like Chinese restaurants are open and Indian restaurants are open because, you know, uh, Thanksgiving is really an American kind of thing, right? Is it? They do it in, I think they do it anywhere else in the world. Maybe Canada? I don't know. I don't really know. I should find out. Is Thanksgiving celebrated in other places? Or is it just uniquely an American kind of concept? Um, excuse me. I'm going to ask the question. Is Thanksgiving celebrated? Um, you know, it'd be, it'd be wonderful if I could really type a little bit better on my phone. <laughs> uh, anywhere else? Outside of America? Question mark. Let's see. Um, oh, Thanksgiving is a national holiday celebrated on various dates in the United States, Canada, Grenada, St. Lucia, and Liberia. It began as a day of giving thanks for the blessings of the harvest and the preceding year. Similarly named festival holidays, similarly named festival holidays occur in Germany and Japan. So the second Monday in October is Thanksgiving in Canada. The first Thursday in November is Liberia. Um, the last week of November is observed by uh, Canada, Grenada, St. Lucia, and, and the United States. Wow, I didn't know that. Uh, huh. Okay, so uh, in Liberia, Liberia is the only other country that officially celebrates Thanksgiving. It marks when freed American slaves founded the country 
1822 and takes place on the first Thursday of November. So, wow, I, I just learned something. I had no idea. I had no other, I had no idea. So nine countries pretty much, or, or five non-U.S. countries, between five and nine um, U.S. countries uh, celebrate Thanksgiving. Hmm. Interesting. So it could be five or nine or 15, depending on what they call it, celebrate some kind of Thanksgiving. So uh, that's very interesting. I, did, I didn't know that. I did not know that. Uh, there, there aren't any, let's see. Uh, yeah, there's a bunch of little, little, uh, little countries. They tell you all the history and the myths and and all that. That's just interesting. I didn't, I didn't realize. Um, Liberia, Grenada. Ah, uh, so there are some folks celebrating Thanksgiving. A little, a different iteration of Thanksgiving, but you know, Thanksgiving. And uh, we're not alone. <laughs> I love knowing all these little facts and history things about uh, a holiday that people put so much energy in. So uh, not so bad. Um, I'm going over, when I get off air, I'm going to run over to uh, uh, the WNHH offices because Laval's and the New Haven Independent are having their Thanksgiving shindig today. So I'm going to catch some of that. And then uh, make my way in places. And uh, yeah, make my way in places. And uh, see what happens. <laughs> you know, make my way. Make my way around the world. And uh, hmm. Yes. Well. What are people cooking? I got my pies. I'm excited because I love pie. And I got vegan blueberry pie. And somebody else's Amy Ziner. Amy Ziner is going to drop me off another pie. So I'll have two blueberry pies. <laughs> I'm very excited about that. So, uh, so I have pies. And uh, yummy, yummy, yummy pies. And I, I don't know if I'll I'll get any. I don't know if I'll get any sweet potato pie. Unless I make it. I don't really want to make it. We'll see what happens. And uh, we'll see what happens. But as long as I got some blueberry pie, I'm good. <laughs> as long as I got that, I'm good. So. Uh, that's it. I was going to keep it very low key, very close to home this year, very relaxed, just going to ease into it. You know, it's a long weekend. I've got study groups Saturday and Sunday, which I'm excited about because I've really got to step up my game. I've got to work on a bunch of things and I got to get focused. And so that's going to do. And then I think, um, next week is the, uh, arts awards, which I don't have to do much except greet on the red carpet and uh and then the show ends and you know 
I'm excited. So there we go. We're ready. We are moving forward. And uh, I, I'm not quite, I don't think I'm ready for some snow yet. I don't know about the snow situation. But, you know, I, this is what I know about when it snows. The first snow, you're just like, wow. It, I mean, it is pretty. And it does take your breath away. And if there's enough of it, it quiets the city. It quiets the city. So for that regard, you know, I just don't want snow days when I have to like go somewhere. I like a snow day where I could periodically walk out on the porch and look at it and then go back in. <laughs> That's what I want. I want snow days like that where, you know, I could walk out walk in i don't have to dig my car out or shovel or any of the things uh that's what i want so so yes yeah, so i you know i got a lot of things i got to think about i got a lot of things that i gotta figure out and uh work on but you know nothing insurmountable you know it's all good it's all well and good um, I'm, I'm delighted to be talking to these young women in a little bit about um, the red book, my red book or the red book. Um, I'm excited to have that conversation. Our red book called our red book. I'm looking forward to them. So, uh, and then next week, now after we come back after a long week, I don't know who I'm talking to next week. Oh, I got Aya from uh, the lab at Concord, Aya and Miles. I got them on Tuesday uh, to talk about uh, the upcoming um, Christmas celebration thing that they got going on uh, or coming up. And then um, my brother Robert's birthday is next Saturday. So he'll be uh, celebrating his birthday. God knows what he'll be getting into. <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, my best friend, Ron Thomas's birthday is the sixth and let's see what else. So, yeah, I don't, I got to stack up some guests for, uh, for December. I got to get on that, but I'm not going to think about it today or this weekend because this is my last day on air and I'm back on Monday and I hope y'all are going to enjoy your Thanksgiving enjoy it it's gonna be uh it's gonna be rich 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 so yeah so enjoy this holiday gather with people you know this is the first time we've been able to gather since well i know people sort of kind of gathered but you know this is it this is the first year in three years that you know we don't have the threat of, of the pandemic hanging over our heads and oh you know get no more than five people in a room and open all the windows and all of that stuff. So mask, mask, mask. So, you know, just the season, babies. Just the season. So, um, yeah, so I think this would be more special uh, because people are traveling far and wide to get with people they haven't seen in a very long time. You know, and uh I'm very excited about that. Very, very excited. So I hope uh, whatever people are doing and who are their family and what they're getting into, that they 
enjoy and have a good time. Seriously, have a good time. Have a good time. And uh, have a good time and enjoy your people. You know, I uh, I saw the news about Sinbad who had a stroke, I don't know, like a year ago. I had like two strokes a year ago. And he's, he's uh, just coming out of rehab, uh, you know, uh, uh, physical therapy, rehabilitation, because uh, it was a tough road. Um, and they're just now releasing, you know, the story and the pictures. Uh, you know, and it's tough seeing him that way. Uh, but, you know, he's up and better and, you know, he had a 30% chance and he got it. And, uh, I'm run, I think I'm running it in the inner city, um, this edition. I'll talk about things to be grateful for, you know. Um, uh, and it's, you know, it's financially draining for him and his family. And I think they are trying to raise some money to support, you know, his re continued rehabilitation. Um, you know, hard times can befall anybody at any moment. And all and and uh the most bankruptcies in this country are due to medical bills. Um, so it becomes very challenging for people. And uh uh medical debt is uh so debilitating to people, and it's lots and lots and lots of money. And so I'm not surprised, you know, I'm not surprised because it can, it can wear you out. Um, and for, you know, for a period of time, I didn't have insurance. So I was negotiating with doctors on a one-on-one -on -one basis. And so I, I tell anybody, I was so grateful for the Affordable Care Act, uh, the Obamacare, because it, it really made a difference. I I I I think my health would would have deteriorated quickly if I wasn't able to have insurance and to keep up with all the because I would not have been able to continue to pay out of pocket of all the things that I need to sort of stay alive. And I just I'm just grateful that I'm I, I have it. And, and you know, for the people who want to take it away from people, I don't understand why you want to see citizens without. I just don't, I don't understand that thinking whatsoever. It should just be universal health care. People, whoever need it should have it. Everyone should just have it and be done with it so that we can have, a, a you know, a, a healthy citizen, citizenry. But, oh, well, I'm not going to uh, let that uh, rain on my parade either. <laughs> I'm just not. So, but I, I'm just grateful. So, so I say all that to say, there's a lot to be thankful for, good people. Lots to be thankful for. Lots to be thankful for. And uh, I feel it. I feel every bit of it. So, ah, Ife is at uh, Hill House. He's a permanent substitute teacher. So, they're having a oh that's right the big game is tomorrow Ooh, i'm so glad i don't have to be out there i mean my brother was playing football we was out there but i don't gotta be out there now that was 20 30 years ago <laughs> and my sons didn't play football they play basketball though but they didn't play uh 
they didn't play football and I'm so grateful that I didn't let them. <laughs> I just didn't let them because I just felt like <clears throat> it was just dangerous. Um, it was just too dangerous, I thought. Plus, you know, they had, they already had issues. I didn't want to add to that. <laughs> I just, uh, I did not want to add to that. Uh, particularly when they were young, we didn't know what we were going to be facing. So anyway, uh, uh, that's the way of the world. Uh, that is the way of the world. So the big game is tomorrow. I mean, it'll be cold, but it won't be raining and it won't be snowing. So, and, you know, uh, uh, the, the football game at, 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 that they'll play at Bowen Field. I don't even know who's playing. I would imagine it would be, oh, I don't want to imagine. I don't know. So we'll see who it is. I think it's, I think it's always the Hill House Cross rivalry, isn't it? It's always the Hill House Cross game. I don't know if my brother is listening. He could fix this for me, but Hill House Cross. And, uh, uh, you know. So get out there because I know y'all got your babies out there playing. I'm not going to be out there. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to do that. And, uh, uh, my my time for that kind of stuff is is behind me. Well, now I won't say that because you know I go to somebody's good homecoming. <laughs> I go to somebody's good um yeah good homecoming at the collegiate level. I don't know about the high school level and. Uh, Yeah. Ooh. Oh, Lord. <laughs> uh, yeah. So hopefully um, it'll be fun and people get out there and they'll cheer for their babies and their family members and their loved ones and uh, go home and uh, E-E-E. Ooh, BT. They got some new holiday movies. Oh, let me let me run them off before we bounce, before we take our break and come back. Uh a Wesley Christmas. Oh, I missed that. That was on November 3rd. Oh boy. Yikes. Uh the first Noel. I missed that one too. Uh, Holiday Hideaway, that's November 24th. Okay. That might be, uh, that might be one I could catch. Uh, let's see. The Sound of Christmas. Oh, that's one on November 24th. These are on BT. Uh, Rolling Into Christmas, December 1. Okay. Uh, let's see what else. A Blackjack Christmas, December 15th. Okay. Uh, a Christmas Gift, December 22nd. 
Let's see. Yeah. Okay. So that's just on BET. I didn't even get to the other channels. But we're going to, um, we're about to break for station identification in a hot minute. And uh, that'll be good because I can get some, uh, I can get some, uh, I get something to drink. My throat is feeling a little parched. <laughs> a little parched. So we're about to break for our station identification. And then when I come back, I've got um, Rachel and Sophia to talk about the uh, Our Red Book. And I'm looking forward to talking to these young women about uh, the intimate, the intimate, uh, uh, intimate histories of periods growing and changing our red book gathered by Rachel Calder, Nail Buff, editor of the New York Times, bestseller, My Little Red Book. So, so yeah, so I'm looking forward to talking to them and getting into it. So y'all be good. Go get you some coffee and come on back. <laughs> Hi, this is Babs Rawls-Ivy from New Haven, Connecticut. And you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. Living in strange times, how far am I even when down upstairs, do you love me? Don't belong. Sometimes I wish I was born. Crying teeth.
welcome back to the second hour of Love Babs Love Talk. And I'm delighted to welcome uh, my guest, Rachel Calder Nailbuff and uh, Sophia Moore. I think she's joining us. Good morning. Unmute yourself. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good to see your face. It's good to see your face. I was looking at your uh I was looking at your book last night over at Possible Futures because I didn't pick it up yet. And uh, but it was such a dreamy looking little book. I was like, woo! Best bookstore to take a look. It is. So <laughs> so um, so you and Sophia, I guess she's gonna it's Sophia. Sophie. Sophia. Sophia. I think she's here because I see Chad. Um, sorry, I'm a little late. Oh, there she is. Hello. Hi, Unmute yourself. I see. I see. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. Sorry. Okay. We're just trying to figure out the Zoom thing. Listen, that. No like, how to, we're still setting it up. Sorry. I, listen, I do it every day. <laughs> so so I looked, I was I was telling Rachel, I, I, I was looking through the book yesterday at Possible Futures Bookstore here in New Haven which is a lovely, you're right, Rachel. It's a, it's a great space. It's, I love it over there. It's, it's like my second home. Um, and I was looking through the book. So, you know, Rachel, tell me the story about this book. What, what was it about this particular story, these stories or the idea about people with uh, reproductive uh, uh, systems and menstruation? Like what, did, <laughs> what, yeah. what was that conversation? What was that thinking? You know, it's sort of an, I'm like an unlikely person to have done this. It it started really because when I had just gotten my first period, I thought it was like the worst thing that could ever happen to anybody. I was like alone with my widowed grandfather on a scheme of things. It wasn't that bad, basically. And my great aunt took me aside and was like, sit down, let me tell you a story. <laughs> And she proceeded to tell me a story that was the greatest story that no one had ever told in my family. She had never shared it until I was a teenager. Um, and it's in the book, but the short version is that she got it while she was fleeing, literally on the journey, fleeing Nazi-occupied Poland to, to France, where she was a hidden child during the Holocaust. And oh my God, of all the times, of all the times. Okay. Completely. And there are so many stories like that, Babs. It's like, that's what's, that's why this needed to be a book is that these stories are so often linked. I mean, now we have kind of the science behind it, but like linked to trauma and historical events and our emotional states. And so um, they are an amazing part of like the human story. And after I heard the story in my family, it basically sparked this family oral history project and then it kind of started as a collaboration with my mom she then wanted to like ask community leaders in New Haven um to continue this like gathering and that's how we got to um Zanette Lewis who is Sophie's grandmother Kika Matos um other New Haven community leaders and that was project uh, published as a book in 2009 and it became pretty clear pretty soon after that people have amazing stories to tell beyond just the first period experience um that like shame misunderstanding misinformation um these kind of sacred rites of passage happen across our lives and people don't just feel one kind of way about 
miscarriage, menopause, <laughs> everything in between. Um, and that these are just important stories in like the human human family that really remain untold largely. So this, our red book is an expanded version. It's gender inclusive. It's stories from people across all ages. And the idea is really that it's, it's not comprehensive um, because it's, it has to fit between two covers, but that it's a spark um, to, to reflect, to talk with others um, and to just read some really moving accounts like like Sophie's. <laughs> now, Sophie, I, I knew your grandmother. I knew your grandmother, Zanette. And uh, I mean, you know, she's legend in this town and iconic in this town. And, uh, and you know, she was she was a topic of a conversation I had the other day about uh, about people who do art and the Peabody and the MLK stuff and poetry. So um, you, you come from good people, girl. So... Uh, <laughs> So you are representing your grandmother's voice in this in this body of work? Um, kind of, yeah. I wrote um like my own story, but then I also Rachel asked me to write a piece reacting to Zanette's piece. So that was that was really cool. <laughs> and uh did you did you have a chance to know your grandmother? Not really, no. Um I think you must have died. been like a baby, baby. Like you yeah. even yeah. Okay. I think I was um one or two, like one and a half. I don't know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so what does this mean for you to to talk about your period? Because I I imagine you're a young person, younger person. Yeah, I'm 14. Um, I I think it's I think it's such a great opportunity because I grew up in a household where um or I'm going up still technically <laughs> like where it's so like it's 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 nothing to be ashamed about like my mom told me about it and she gave me like a whole like period like box kit um, I got one on of my, those too when I when I was birthday. when I was like about your age but I'm sure my box looks way different than your box <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I I think it's just so important to talk about and I I'm so grateful for this opportunity I'm so glad. So, Rachel, when you when you write it, when you gather stories like this, do, does it raise eyebrows? Like who who's squirmish about talking about this? And are you met with people squirming the squirmishness about talking about women's periods? No, it's this is a really periods. good question. And when I was working on the first version of this book, everyone had trouble. Like, and now 12 years later, we are truly in a different time. Like so many people, like Sophie, for example, from the get go, she was just like, rad, I'm down, right? Like you didn't blink an eye. You were never like, this is something to be ashamed about. Like the next generation is on board. I've taught this book to um, high school classrooms, college classrooms, my own college students, folks of all genders. They're just like, cool, this is a great story. <laughs> but I think there's still like a frontier honestly um the hardest stories I really wanted this book to be gender inclusive and I heard some amazing stories from single dads um divorced mm. dads who were the caretaker for their teen daughters and really had to learn how to navigate um that conversation being a, a caretaker a supporter the person who buys menstrual care products and they were like wow how did I go through my entire life not knowing any of this 
um, I'm an adult and I know zero. So I think those stories reveal something. And I, I asked all of my male friends, um, my cis male friends, like, would anyone want to interview your mom or your grandma? Like, is that some, is that a kind of conversation that's possible now? Cause I heard so many beautiful stories from kind of younger parents educating their young sons about menstruation in this very enlightened way where it's like, this is where you come from. Like you have, like, you don't have to wait till puberty to have these conversations. You know, you can talk with your kids, no matter what, not that I was raised this way at all, but it's starting to happen now where people are raising their kids in a different way. So I thought, huh, I wonder if there are any men that would in be interested in talking about this, would feel comfortable talking about this. And it's interesting. One person who did feel totally comfortable was someone whose mom was disabled. Um, that story is in the book, and they just have a very different relationship to talking about the body. Um, so he was like, we, we talk about it already. It's not new. It's not uncomfortable. Um, that barrier has already been broken because we're so interdependent and we have to be so open with each other. Um, but I don't think other people are necessarily there. And my hope is that some of these stories kind of point the way. Now, are you, I, I, is the menstruation story the, the great equalizer across all economic lines and ethnicities and culture? Like, is that the, is that the great thing that keeps us connected? <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> I mean, I think that's that's where I kind of have come out after hearing all these accounts is like truly everyone is connected. There is no one that is not connected. And if you think you aren't connected, that's because you've been actively sheltered <laughs> and like society has really worked hard to like prevent you from learning about it. I don't know, Sophie, if like in your school, did, I don't know, when I was growing up, they did like segregate classes by gender when talking about periods. I don't know if they still do that. Mm. Do they um, do that, Sophie? In, uh, yeah, and I haven't, I'm a freshman in high school now, and um, I haven't taken a health class at my high school yet. But in my middle school, they didn't really do that. Like it was just a joint class. Although in my elementary school they did we had like a intro to health class kind of and they separated us by class um and it was really weird <laughs> it was like, it's, it's weird so now are you sophie are you talking do your girlfriends and guy friends talk about this like does this come up in conversation um i don't um a little bit uh, like when the story I wrote about um, in the book, I wrote about like almost fainting in the shower. And right after it happened, I made this like long video that I sent to all of my friends or like my closest friends to tell them about it. And we like if we have like really bad cramps, like we'll talk about that. Like if like you need a pad or a tampon, like we ask each other just. Yeah. Mm. Oh, my goodness. So so Rachel, uh, rich women, poor women um who are are of age to have a period there there are no there are no uh fancier pads right like there's no gold crusted pads everybody everybody's buying the same pads <laughs> i think that there is a range and there is a difference 
Um, and I mean, especially if um, you're socioeconomically, like if you're struggling financially, some people don't afford, can't afford pads at all. Um, and so that's a reality that comes up in the book too. And even in the US, um, I think it's one in three uh, students of, yeah, high school, college age, um, struggle to afford supplies. And so that affects attendance. Um, people resort to using, I mean, even in New Haven, I was reading about the, there's a bill right now in Connecticut to um, have all public facilities supply free menstrual care products. There's, it's, it's um, being considered. And as some of the evidence, people are talking about what students are using and students are using crumpled notebooks um, to care for their periods. And so, um, there are definitely like fancy products, but I think the real thing to focus on is just that like even in this country, the wealthiest country in the world, periods in many states are still taxed as luxury items. Um, it's still out of reach for a lot of people. Obviously, COVID has made that even harder. Um, and it's also different in different circumstances too, like some stories in the book that I think are the, the some of the hard harder hitting pieces come from incarcerated contributors that also mm. talk about how in prisons people deny people products as basically an abuse of power um, or just don't have adequate supplies people have to buy their own supplies but they don't necessarily have the um, money to do that and so and they're, and they're outrageously expensive in prison I mean I've served a little time so I've seen women uh, yeah. uh, try to make do because they are they are cost prohibitive <laughs> like they it's, just are it's cruel and and it's a form of punishment and in other parts of the world um oh wow so yeah so you know this firsthand and i think it's important this book is a global collection and you can almost not get used to that in the us but if you don't know anything different you don't question it as much and then you hear from stories from people like right now scotland just became the first country in the world to make period products universally free. So prisons, hospitals, schools, um, any public buildings, libraries, they'll all have free products. And if you don't do that in Scotland, it's considered a form of discrimination. Wow. Here, yeah, right. But it makes sense. Whereas here oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, 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 Sophia, do y'all, do you have products at school? Are they in the bathroom? See, when I was a kid, you you'd put a dime in or a quarter, you could get a tampon or a pad, and that'd be it, right? If you didn't have a quarter, you couldn't get it or dime, whatever it was. Um, I our school does have like in the bathrooms, they do have these dispensers that are like um uh, motion activated, although they kind of have a reputation for not working. Like I've tried them before and they don't just to like see and they don't work, but recently like very recently like in the last couple of weeks they put out like um like a basket that's hung on the wall full of like pads and tampons although that is also empty a lot of the time because people are mean and will just take them and trash them so trash <laughs> girls girls are doing yeah. this stuff. Are the girls i people are really rude um but yeah like one time the basket was like full. At, I mean, I, I don't know. It's like full at the beginning of the day and then like halfway through the day, completely empty. And I went in one time and they were just like 
on the floor just like opened like not use but like just like opened and like trashed and I was like why would you do that <laughs> that doesn't make any sense yeah <laughs> like girls y'all gotta empower girls so <laughs> so Rachel you know uh, uh, did you did you think long and hard about the voices you wanted to center in this particular book absolutely um I mean I I think I the the question at the center of the of the book was really what stories need to be told and what stories often remain untold. Um, and so that and, and in terms of like popular culture, in terms of um, mainstream culture. And so I really wanted the book to be um, diverse in terms of its contributors. That was key, but also um, emotional kinds of realities like the book. Um, it needs to represent uh, the reality of the world. And so there are stories that um, are celebratory. There are stories that are um, filled with dread. Um, and I think another thing that was really key for, for this book was a big story that felt, or a big um, gap, I'll say, in our, in our mainstream culture is really hearing from gender non-conforming voices about menstruation. Um, and so hearing from trans folks, trans women, trans men, gender non-binary um, folks about their experience and making sure it's also not just like tokenizing. So it's not just one person representing all of that because there are many trans contributors in the book and their stories are all so different. There's one um, Piper who read at our launch event, Sophie, who talks about how for him, um, his first period was his worst nightmare. And it felt like he says a black hole um, because it was the constant reminder that his body didn't line up with his vision of himself. And he never got over it. He's still not over it. He still hates his period. It's not something he thinks you have to accept. Um, whereas there are other trans contributors who have come to terms and celebrate this like, um, complex reality that they live with. And so I really, um, I really wanted there to be this, this range of voices, but also like a, a range within, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, mm -hmm. so, but then the other thing about, about the book that's maybe kind of unique is I had to surrender a little bit to the process. Like I didn't think about categories of people, um, I was really on a trail of like one person and then that person pointed me to the next person and just trying to do it in the most respectful, deeply. Um, I mean, yeah, these stories are really sacred. And so I really wanted to be a good custodian for them. And just by doing that, I found that people pointed me towards interesting voices. And when I went to like make sure I had permission to reprint Zanette's story, um, I talked to Chad, who's Sophie's dad, Zanette's son, and he pointed me to Sophie. And so most of the pieces in the book kind of came that my way that way, um, where it was just like trust and word of mouth. And so by starting with this kind of core group of voices that felt like their stories were so important and really hadn't reached the kind of mainstream um, narratives that we hear, it just kind of rippled out organically. Mm. So Sophie, what was the 
tone of your grandmother's story? Because I hadn't read the book yet. So what what is she saying? Um, oh, let's see if I can remember. Um, sorry. Uh, it's is um, it's like I have the book here, but anyway, um, it's I I think she she's talking about her her mom announcing it to her dad and talking about like hearing stories from her grandmother and her great grandmother about having to live um with her period through like slavery and I kind of talked about that in my like reaction to hers um but yeah so when you when you were when you were when you were relating or or writing your story in 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 connection to her story uh, what were you most struck by um just kind of like how she mentions um one time it's something like being called like a like breeding ground or something like that and like like and I write about like just the fact of being like bred out to people is so gross and disgusting to me like I hate it like I write like my legs close and like my stomach turns and my throat closes like it's just so like Mm, no <laughs> yes I can imagine. so so you know Rachel this got me thinking about how, how, over the ages and in history how women had to contend with this right like I can't imagine being an enslaved woman trying to run for freedom or just being an enslaved and just trying to deal with the everyday everydayness of having a menstrual cycle or if I'm an immigrant fleeing a country you know and and I got to contend with this right for however long you have to contend with it and and what do you do with that like how do you deal with that so I'm I'm struck by the historical aspect of it and the right now of it now that we are having these huge discussions and and movement on women's reproductive health yes Yes, I mean, I think Sophie and Zanette's stories are to me like the heart of of this book and the heart of this conversation um, that's much bigger than the book, which is for so long, for centuries, we've we haven't seen history. We the the patriarchy, all these things have affected how we understand history and where we come from and what stories are told and what stories aren't told. And when you hear these stories, you see where you come from, you see history, you, you actually feel it, you feel it in this really visceral way, like Sophie was describing, like, you have a physical response to it, you recoil. And some of the stories that are being written today, you feel that way too, where it's like, um, you feel it, you feel what's happening, I think it's easy to be numbed by what's happening in the world. But there's something about these stories about menstruation, where like, your body knows, your body responds, and it's um, it's really intense. And I think it's important because it kind of wakes wakes you up on a different dimension to what other people are living through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like a line in the book, something like, um, "I think if we studied history through the lens of menstruation, um, we would be in a different place now. I think we would we would have a different relationship to yeah to to yeah. history in this country." So, uh, so do you feel like you have some agency over your body and your reproductive health? I mean, I mean, you're 14, but do you feel like you have some, some rights to your, how you handle your, your reproductive health? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess so. I'm very, 
like um like oh I don't know like uh, like I guess sure of myself people say like I'm very sure of myself I know what I want and I I don't like I I don't let people try to deter me and like steer me away from what I know that I want so if that I don't <laughs> I like that that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> listen we'll take that that's 14 I like it I like it I like it I like it so um the, the various, Rachel, the various voices, I guess you've got a mix of young and old women, women who have, who maybe are in menopause, who have already are done with this part of their life. Uh, what what else stories look like? The menopause stories? Yes. Yeah. Again, that's one where it's like, it's so important to have multiple perspectives because there's not one story, um, one story that kind of opens the book is from a contributor who grew up in under the Soviet Union. And she talks about how there, and I think this may be true elsewhere too, women are more afraid of seeming old, um, mm. even death, she says. And so people would put literally to, to pretend that they still have their period so that their husbands wouldn't think that they were old. People would smear liver, like chopped liver in their underwear because no one wanted to be, I know, I know. (laughs) Um, And I think maybe that story sounds extreme, but I think there are less extreme versions of that throughout. I mean, mean, it just speaks to the vulnerability of women in the world and their status and what can be taken away from them rather quickly based on their desirability and youth and, and all the things that, you know, Completely. And then, I mean, yeah, you see from, from hearing lots of stories that it's like the system is rigged (laughs) because there's, there's shame when you have it. There's shame when you don't have it. There's shame before you have it. Um, And, but yeah, but on the other hand, there are some really funny, beautiful stories from people who talk about menopause as liberation. Um, And you're finally free and you're free from some kind of societal expectation. Um, as research for the book, I interviewed an OBGYN and she said mm. that she thinks there's actually more misunderstanding around menopause than any other stage of life for her patients that she sees. Um, that there's no real way of providing, at least for like teenagers, we have some kind of education system, not that it's perfect, but for menopause, it's a path that a lot of people walk alone. Mm. Um, and yeah, so so it's interesting that it's not necessarily like it gets easier over the course of our lives. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as someone who has got to menopause, I was so grateful. Like I was, like I knew when I turned fifty, I was waiting away. It took about five years to get there, but I, and I, and I was late getting there. But once I got there, I never looked back. I was like, oh God, thank you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just just the. You know, I can think of, I can look back in my mind and see the added stress of having a period. Like, you know, I can, I can look back and see, you know, you have to, you know, the, the products don't mat, match what you have, you know, and oh, so many things. So, <laughs> so, so, you know, Rachel, what do you, what do you want people to get out of this book? Like what, what, do you have an end game for this book? Do you want it to inspire more honest dialogue? Do you, you know, do you want to put it in the hands of men? Do you want boys to have this book? Like what, what, what's your thinking? What's the big plan? 
yes to everything you've just said. Um, I'm curious. I'm also curious what Sophie thinks about this question too, but my, my vision for it is really that it just, um, I mean, it's both large and small on like the small scale. I think I, I, I think we just need to learn how to have more intimate, vulnerable conversations with each other. And, um, I hope that it becomes the spark in families. Um, maybe it's for parents who are parents of teenagers. Um, maybe it's for partners, lovers, brothers, um, definitely men. I think definitely men should all get this book for Christmas. <laughs> um, cause they're the ones that need to know, especially. Um, but I also think that it's like literature and it's just that these are profound stories and it's like there's so much art that's made about death there's art that's made about birth um and this is like a part of a part of our our great experience and life experience and um I mean like Sophie and Zanette's pieces together I think are just an incredible story like I move to tears every time I think about it. And um, it's just a, a story that needs to travel. And so I think we're finally at a cultural moment where that's possible. Mm. Yeah. So Sophie, when, you, when you're with your friends or your, and your girlfriends in particular, um, is, is everybody on cycle now? Like, or is, is there's maybe one or two girls who have not joined the club yet? <laughs> um. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't think any of my friends, um, haven't got their period yet. Um, yeah, I, I think we all have it. We don't have like shared cycles cause there's a lot of different, like, obviously like we're, we're not in like a, we don't have them at the same time. Cause there's a lot of different factors, but we, yeah, we, I think most of my friends all, if not all have gotten their period. Now, do you have conversations about products? Like, do you, do you have conversations like, well, I like this or I do this or you know, I take this for cramps or I do this for cramps. I like this particular product, this tampon, this pad. Um, Cause I, you got way more choices than I had when I was <laughs> like, I had one um, choice. <laughs> I mean, like if I get like really bad cramps, I'll like ask my friends if they have like Advil or ibuprofen. I love ibuprofen. That sounds bad. I ibuprofen <laughs> is like, it's a, it, it's, it's a good one for cramps for me. Um, but I don't know. We don't really talk about, um, it that, I mean, I, yeah, we don't talk about it that much. Mm -hmm, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. so, so when you told them you were a part of this book, what did they think? Like, what did your circle think? Um, I, I think it was really exciting. My, my, uh, one of my best friends, Evian, he, he was one of the ones that I sent like the video after it like originally happened. Like I sent it to him and like my friend Carly and um, they were both like, oh my God, like we were the first ones to know about this. That's so cool. Um, and a lot of my friends, cause I've been posting about it like on my Instagram and stuff. And a lot of my friends have been like, oh, that's so cool. I'm so proud of you. Like it's generally been like received really well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so do you feel like um, that, that it, it would be a good tool to sort of spur this conversation with other young people in your cohort like in that age range definitely yeah um my science teacher this is like this sounds so weird but my science teacher his <laughs> wife works at some like 
private like literary school and he asked me to come read to like the middle school students there I'm so excited but it was it was really interesting um because he was talking to me about it like what to expect and like what I was like comfortable with and he was like do you think it's like okay to like read this story to like middle schoolers and I was like yeah like of course like this is something that I think is really important and should be shared and he was like but like even to the boys too and I was like yes absolutely like this is <laughs> it really has to be like a normal it is a normal thing and I think people really need to realize that like it's so normal and every day and like like why are we freaking out about this like what like <laughs> yeah. and, and and why do they think boys would not understand this like I I don't, I don't, I, I mean, I don't, without it, they wouldn't be here. So I don't, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just like middle school boys, like boys in general are very immature and middle school boys are immature too. So I think he was just worried. Like, I'm also a little bit worried about like how it will be received. Like, oh, like, what are they going to say? What are they going to say? But I, I don't know. And I think he was just worried about like the immaturity and stuff like that. Mm. So Rachel, now that the book is out and getting good reviews and people are, buzzing about it and talking about it, you know, um, are there more to, to do with this? Is there more that you want to see happen with this? Do you create another book? Do you move on from it? Do you, you know, what, what, what's the, what's the, what's the inspiration next? I think what Sophie's doing is kind of the, the next chapter of the book, which is like, there's, there's some times where you want to read these stories on the page and the privacy of your home. Um, but I also think hearing them out loud is like a totally other, it kind mm -hmm. of the floor like trembles, something else happens and it's really exciting. I'm so thrilled, Sophie, that you're doing that. That's awesome. We just came <laughs> off of a bunch of like live events where many contributors read together. Um, and so I think there will be some more of those that are happening. People want to bring various contributors to schools. Um uh so I think there will there will be more events so stay tuned I think that's I think the next phase is like giving some more breath life to these accounts and once people hear them um you don't need to have read the book like once you hear them that also does something and it sparks conversation and I think um yeah unlikely listeners I think Sophie it's gonna go great <clears throat> once people hear your story they're gonna get it because <laughs> once you hear any of these stories you understand like oh yeah I I know why this needs to be shared why I'm connected to it why it's moving um why it's important well I'm so glad I had opportunity to talk to y'all this morning and I and I and I wanted to get it in before Thanksgiving because I just thought this was a wonderful sort of uh, book to get out there get in front of people while while they're getting ready to, for the holidays. If there's somebody on your list that, you know, is a good reader or might just, might might want to turn into a good reader, this might be a good <laughs> book for them to sort of, you know, guide them on their journey in terms of how to be in the world with women and and people uh, um, at, the at the very beginning of reproductive health stuff. So I appreciate this. And, you know, Rachel, I, I know your mom, so I just wanted to shout that out. So it's lovely to meet you. <laughs> um uh because I, yes. I i your mom is pretty cool out here in these art streets so yeah. it's very nice to meet you and uh sophie I, it's nice to meet you uh i knew oh, your grandmother you. and i enjoyed her and i spent time with her and did poetry with her and so it is lovely to sort of see you so uh, so yeah. so thank y'all 
It's so beautiful, Babs, that you're connected to us across generations. <laughs> oh, it's thank you so much for having us. It's really wonderful to all get to talk together. Enjoy your holiday. Happy Before Thanksgiving. Leave, yes. Happy Thanksgiving. My dad really wants me to show you this picture. This is oh! me. And this is Annette. I was a baby. Yes, I love that. Oh my God. See, that's how I remember you. <laughs> that's the last time I saw you. You were like that. So whew. so yes, that does my heart, does my heart well. And and uh there's not a day that goes by that nobody in this city doesn't whisper your grandmother's name. I'm not kidding you. There's not a day that goes by in this city that someone does not whisper her name in these spaces. So so uh so it's nice to see you, girl. Nice to see you, young lady, young person, <laughs> young person. 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 <laughs> thank y'all have a good holiday Take and care. uh feel free thank to come back so anytime much. and talk about anything you want <laughs> <laughs> take good care mm. all right harry thank you so much i will see you in a, in a couple of hours <laughs> see y'all later be good out there mm. happy thanksgiving everybody i'll be back on monday but y'all be good and uh eat well from New Haven, Connecticut, and you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org.